All right, welcome to another lesson in our Healing University course. I hope this is a blessing to you. I'm looking forward to sharing with you again this hour. Uh, my name is Barry Bennett. I'm an instructor here at Karis Bible College. And in this hour, I want to talk to you about something that I seldom hear mentioned when we talk about healing, and that is the topic of lordship. Lordship, I'm going to probably take this into a very practical area because we tend to approach lordship as something theological, and we will easily say, Jesus is my Lord. But the reality is, many of us are living with other lords. Or in other words, other things are ruling over our lives. Though we proclaim Jesus, we may unconsciously or consciously be submitting to other lords or other rulers of our lives. And so I find this to be very interesting, and I hope that it will be helpful to you as well. Romans 6.16, very interesting passage. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. All right, so the, Paul's message here is a bigger message uh, talking about sin and righteousness, but the concepts that precede that are very important. Let me read them again. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? Or in other words, in life, we have many, many options in which we can submit ourselves knowingly or unknowingly to that influence and allow that influence to limit or confine our lives to a much smaller realm than what God had in mind for us. We become slaves to that which we submit to. He goes on to say, uh, you are that one's slaves, or you become a slave to the one you obey, whether of sin leading to death. So we could, we could take those words out and put in other words, fill in the blank here. You become slaves of whatever you choose to submit to, to give yourself to, to allow to have influence in your life. We can be talking about vices. We can be talking about addictions. We can be talking about anger management problems. We can be talking about poverty mentality. We can be talking about sickness and doctor's reports. Whatever we bow the knee to or whatever has a major influence in our lives that defines our lives and constrains our lives or, or puts limitations on our lives, those things have become our Lord's. Now, maybe, maybe you haven't thought about it that way, but I, we want to look at this in more detail because if sickness has become a Lord or if the doctor has become a Lord, we're in pro we have problems. We've got to understand what it means when we say Jesus is Lord. Amen. And we all say that, yes, Jesus is Lord. Amen. But how are you living? Is Jesus Lord over your health? Is Jesus Lord over your finances? Is Jesus Lord over your relationships, your marriage, your, your, the way you raise your children? Who really is your Lord or who are your Lords? Plural. What have you allowed to have major influence in your life? And so just saying that Jesus is Lord isn't always enough. Lordship is both theological and practical. And I'm not, I'm not denying that we all believe Jesus is Lord, but the practical end of that is, how are you living? Is he the Lord of your life, or are other things the Lord of our lives? Let's go to John chapter 5. I want to give you an example here. John chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. John 5, 1 says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of sick people. Now this is interesting to me because Jesus was already quite, already quite famous, and multitudes were following him all over Israel and getting healed, and yet at the pool of Bethesda, there's a multitude of sick people that weren't following after Jesus. They weren't seeking after Jesus. They were looking at something else for their healing. Interesting thought, okay? And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. 
For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now I'm going to comment on that in just a moment. It says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, 38 years, can you imagine? And knew he had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. So he's deflecting the blame a little bit here, that it's not really up to him, it's up to somebody to help him. All right, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, so there was his own effort on that part, that's a good thing, while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well and took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now, there's a lot in this story. And I'm just going to pick a few things here to talk about within our context of of this message. Lordship. This man had been sick for 38 years And probably most of that time, he's been carried daily by friends or family to the Bula of Bethesda. And he's put down in a certain spot, and his friends are put down wherever they are around him. And so we're going to assume a mini-culture has developed over the decades. And these people all know each other, and they play dominoes, and they play cards, and they read the paper, and people bring them food. And so there's a whole culture here. He has become submitted to the lordship of chronic sickness. His expectation, as we talked in another lesson, his expectation is, this is my life. And so that is a Lord in his life. (coughs) The next Lord I see in this this story, and I'm going to suggest this, I'm going to speculate with you, and you don't have to agree with me, but I think the angel story was a superstition. I don't think there really was an angel that came down. I cannot find that method of healing In the Old Testament, the law gave specific instructions on how to get healed. But Israel had drifted so far from the law and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and what have you that nobody was walking in that reality. And so I think they've made up a superstition. Now, you may disagree, but I can't see God doing that with his people on a whim, just randomly sending an angel down to stir up the waters and someone gets healed. So I'm going to put it this way for the sake of this message that he was submitted to a superstition. Or there was a lordship of superstition, or we'll say a lordship of bad teaching, however you want to put it. But something was ruling over his concept of God and his concept of how healing took place or doesn't take place. Man, there are so many Christians that have a lordship of bad teaching. And they don't even believe God will heal them. They believe he will. He could, but he might not. That's a false Lord. Because the decision to heal all has already been made. God is not making this decision willy-nilly. It's not one day he feels like it and the next day he doesn't. That is bad teaching. That is a bad concept of God. That is a false Lord. Because it is making people submit to doubt and unbelief. And the fact that God moves on a whim and he he sends an angel on a whim and perhaps somebody gets in the water first and gets healed, that's a superstition. That's a bad teaching. That's a tradition of men. And so first of all, he submitted to the lordship of his own sickness. And then he submitted to the lordship of bad teaching or a superstition. And those things are defining his life. I want you to understand what I'm trying to say here. His life is being limited by wrong thinking And by the lordships that he has allowed to take over his life, and his life is patterned for him every day. The same people bring him every day. They come pick him up every day. They bring him food. He has the same friends. He has a pattern of life that has become his lord. A routine has become his lord. A superstition has become his lord. Which then would take us into the third third idea that I've already somewhat mentioned, that he's, he's... submitted to a wrong concept of God. He doesn't know the word. He doesn't know the promises of God. He doesn't know his covenant. He doesn't know that in the law, there are ways to be healed. And so he's he's left to other lords, and those lords 
are dominating his life. Now, we can move this over into our dimension of the new covenant. I know Christians like this. Christians that have been afflicted for so long that they don't expect to get healed. They hope for it in a, in a carnal way, but you know, quesarasara, whatever it will be, will be. And so that has become a Lord in their life. And then they have bad teaching about healing. That has become a Lord in their life, if it be his will. And, and we could go on down the list. These things have restricted and defined and limited life. Anything that's limiting your life is a false Lord. And I'm speaking within terms of negative things. I'm not talking about other things that I, you know, we could talk about your marriage. Your spouse isn't your problem, okay? You may be the problem, but we're not talking about getting out of your marriage or something like that. I'm talking about things that you have allowed to bring limitation to your life that aren't from God, that aren't from God. Those are false lords. And so we can say Jesus is Lord all day long, but is he really? Is he really in your life the Lord? I'm going to give you some more examples, all right? So let's talk about the woman with the issue of blood. If you want to read this story, it's in Mark 5, Mark 5, 25 through 34. The woman with the issue of blood was unclean according to the law. Thus, she really wasn't allowed to even be out in public, and much less was she allowed to touch a man or even be in his presence. And so she came up behind him in a crowd of people, hoping probably that she wouldn't be noticed as being unclean. And she didn't touch him. She touched the hem of his garment. Because if she had touched him and nothing happened, he would be unclean. But she touched the hem of his garment, and he felt the power of God go out of him. And so she was healed, but she eliminated the, the legal issue that was there. But here's my point. She was not willing to submit to the lordship of the law and the lordship of public opinion in terms of being out in public. She was not willing to bow the knee to those lords. We're going to find as we go through some more examples that the people that got healed were willing to break the lordship that had bound them. They were willing to seek after something that had impediments, legal impediments, social impediments, traditional impediments, whatever the case may be, those were the, the lords that were there. But people that get healed don't submit to other lords. They have seen Jesus as Lord. And so she was moved to break through the traditions, through the law, and get to Jesus and touch him and get healed because she was unwilling to submit to the lordship of the law. Man, folks, there are so many churches that have established so many man-made laws, traditions. This is how we do it. We don't think God does this. We don't believe God will do that. And people, excuse me, people submit to those things and they never get healed because they have allowed the other voices, other influences to limit their lives. Anything that limits you in the context in which I'm speaking, anything that limits you, has become a Lord. And I, you can say Jesus is Lord all day long, but the reality of your life is different. You have allowed limitations. You have allowed a definition of your life that falls way outside of what God had in mind. That's a false Lord. So the woman with the issue of blood was willing to break through the false lordship of the law in her life. Let's talk about the paralytic. This is in, the story is in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And here we have the story of a paralytic on a cot carried by four friends. And they get to the house where Jesus is ministering. Jesus is in his own home or where he is based in Capernaum. And these four guys with the guy on a cot, they show up and there's a multitude in, in the house and outside of the house and they can't get to the door. So they have the bright idea. They could have said, well, you know, their friend, we'll call their friend on the cot, Joe. They could say, Joe, hey, man, we tried. We're sorry. We'll, we'll try again tomorrow. And they could have gone home. 
But they found a way around to get up on the roof of the house. And they got up on the roof, and I'm going to assume from what I understand of that architecture at that time that the roof was covered with tiles. And they took the tiles off the roof, off the ceiling. Jesus is down there having a Bible study. How would you like it if your roof started to disappear when you're having a Bible study in your living room? And then all of a sudden, the guy comes down being lowered on a cot. They, and it says, and Jesus saw their faith, or seeing their faith, he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Here's my point. They were unwilling to submit, in this case, to the lordship of politeness and etiquette. They were unwilling to be limited by politeness and etiquette. Now, don't take this the wrong way. There are most times politeness is a, is a great door opener, but there was no door for them. And they could have allowed their fear of the crowd, their fear of what will Jesus think, they could have allowed that to, to limit what they were doing. But Jesus said, I see faith in this. You've taken the roof off my house and lowered a guy down into my very lap almost. That was a rejection of a false lord. The lordship of politeness, the lordship of etiquette, the lordship of, of, of caring for someone else's home, those things were impediments or restrictions on what the possibilities were. And when they got him into Jesus' presence, healing took place. You see, folks, hopefully you're getting my point here, is that when you allow something to steal your potential, to steal your vision, to steal your proactive decision-making process. And people come up to you and say, no, you can't do that. That's not how it's done. We've never done it that way before. Uh, no, this, this will never happen now this way. When we allow those things to restrict us, we've set up another Lord, or we have allowed another Lord to come in and take, take charge in that situation. Now, please hear my heart. There are different contexts for these things. And there are many times when you want, it, you want something that you want and the person you want it from isn't available, all right? So I'm not talking about breaking all protocol. There are times and seasons for these things. But the point is, something that chronically limits you, something that is a Lord in your life, that, that is not allowing you to pursue the goodness of God, that is something you need to evaluate and decide whether or not that's the Lordship of Christ in your life. All right? Let's look at another one. Blind Bartimaeus. In Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 in uh, 46 to 52. I'll go ahead and read this. Mark 10, 46 says, Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude, behold, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The many, then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. There it is right there. We're going to look at several things here. But the first thing we find out is the lordship of people's opinions. How many of us are restricted by what other people think? Well, I don't want to do that because they might think this or they might think that. Who cares what people think? There are times when we consider people's feelings and opinions. But in, in the cases in which I'm describing, we don't care what people think. If it's Jesus walking by and this is your chance, don't be lorded over by people's opinions. And so that's the first Lord that he casts aside. All right. So he cries out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. So now see that persistence right there, tossing aside the lordship of people's opinions, Jesus stopped. Now he has Jesus' attention. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. The same people that were against him two minutes ago and telling him to shut up. When he disregarded that lordship, that fake lordship, now they're all on his side. Hey, Bartimaeus, Jesus is calling you. This is your day. People, folks, are fickle. People are fickle. 
And you need to be aware of allowing people's opinions to restrict the grace of God in your life. Don't submit to that Lord of people's opinions in the context, again, in which I'm speaking. I'm not promoting anarchy here. I'm saying in this context of having an opportunity to touch the grace of God, don't let people's opinions stifle that. And so now the same people are all for him and told him to go to Jesus. And verse 50, I'm in Mark 10, verse 50. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Here's another major thing. The garment that he wore identified him as a blind beggar. Clothing in that time was very uh, important to identify who people were. Romans obviously wore uniforms, Roman soldiers. Uh, beggars dressed a certain way. Lepers dressed a certain way. Widows dressed a certain way. Virgins dressed a certain way. Everybody had a certain style that would identify who they are. Bartimaeus was a blind beggar. He had a garment that people could see from a distance and know there's a beggar. That was his identity. And it says Bartimaeus got called by Jesus and he throwing aside his garment stood up. Why is that in there? Why is that important? Why would it even mention that? Because it was a Lord. It was the Lord of being a blind beggar, an identity Lord. An inferiority, Lord. I'm not good enough, Lord. And he threw it aside before he ever got healed. This is powerful, powerful stuff. He didn't submit to the lordship of being known as a blind beggar. He didn't submit to an identity that limited him. He threw aside his identity, the cloak that identified and defined his life, he threw that off and went to Jesus because he already knew if Jesus is calling me, my problem is solved. My problem is solved. And so that lordship was was over and done with. So the lordship of people's opinions and then the lordship of of his old identity, his old man, he tossed that aside. I hope this is making sense to you, that even though we say Jesus is Lord, We may have some other lords in our lives and we need to toss them aside and not be confined and constrained, in this case by opinions or identity or the law, religious law that we saw. All right, so he goes to Jesus and we should know the rest of the story. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you that I might see? And he's healed and his faith healed him. But the faith is demonstrated through ignoring the false lords of opinion and identity. He ignored those and he got healed. Praise God. Let's look at another one. The Canaanite woman. This is found in Mark 7, 24 through 30. I'll read a little bit of it to you. Mark 7, 24. From there he arose, Jesus arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered into a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden for a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. And she came and fell at his feet. So this woman came into his house or the house that he was in at this moment. The woman was a Greek or we'll say a Gentile or she was not of the covenant. She was not of Israel. Okay. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children, the Jews, Be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. So he just called her a dog. Now, in the culture of the time, Gentiles were considered dogs, and Gentile women were the dogs of the dogs. And so this was a common prejudice that the the Jews held toward Gentiles. And so Jesus adopts this language for a very interesting purpose because he's going to then declare something pretty cool here. He said, and she answered, verse 28, and said to him, yes, Lord, even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. So she's going to roll with the dog thing, the dog definition for now. But she says, even dogs get to eat from what falls from the table. Powerful answer. And Jesus said to her, for this saying, go your way, The demon has gone out of your daughter. So Jesus was setting her up because I think he knew that there was going to be 
a demonstration of faith. And it says when she came to her house, uh, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed healed. Now, in a different, different rendition of this story in another gospel, he says to her, O woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith for the answer that she gave that even the dogs get to eat of the crumbs that fall from the table. Great is your faith. And the word he uses there is mega, mega or megas in the Greek, which is mega in English, meaning mega faith. You have mega faith. Where did mega faith come from? That's the only time that word is used in relationship to faith. Where did that come from? She refused to submit to the lordship of being considered inferior and a woman. She refused that. And Jesus even used the common language of the day, Gentiles are dogs. That didn't stop her. Boy, we could talk about this for a long time. How many people in our society walk around with a chronic inferiority complex because of their education, because of their race, because of their gender, because of what have you, all of the things that society is telling us are important. And they walk around with an inferiority complex that has become a Lord in their life. And in this case, this woman had every reason to be in, feel inferior because of how the world is treating her, how the Jews view her. And yet that Lord was not an impediment for her. She threw off that lordship and she had a spectacular answer for Jesus. And Jesus said, for this answer, mega is your faith. Your daughter is healed. Folks, healing is available right this moment. But it could be that there are some lords out there that are in the way that we knowingly or unknowingly have bowed the knee to. And we're allowing those lords to define the limits and definitions and limitations and potential of our lives. And once you recognize, oh, I see now, I've been, I've been submitted to this. I've let this be a Lord in my life, whatever the, this might be. And when you can begin to identify these things that have become Lords in your life, and it could be the doctor's report, it could be uh, medical science, it could be this, this is the way I've always lived, or this is genetic, or my family always has had this. All of those things are lords that aren't Jesus. And as long as we're willing to submit to other lords, the lordship of Jesus for us is simply a theology. It's not real. I'm not saying you're not born again. I'm just saying you're not living like it. You're not living like it if you have limiting lords in your life. Who or what is your Lord? What is lording over you? Some of us, food is our Lord. We just can't break an addiction to food or bad food. Some of us, TV is our Lord. Am I getting too personal here? Some of us, maybe pornography is our Lord. Some of us, People's opinions is our Lord. Some of us, finances is our Lord or lack of finances. Education or lack of education is our Lord. And so we can start going down the list and determining things that are limiting our lives that we have bowed the knee to. And really, we're not letting Jesus be Lord. And some of those things may be the reason that health is not springing forth in our bodies because Jesus, we haven't allowed Jesus to be the Lord of our flesh, of our bodies. We've allowed the doctor to be the Lord of our bodies. It says in Matthew 20, 25. Matthew 20, 25. But Jesus called them to himself, his disciples, and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. That's an interesting definition. What is exercising authority over your life? Is it the word of God? Are, the, are they the promises of God? What is exercising authority over your life? Because whatever that is, is a Lord in your life.
and you have become a slave to that Lord. See, healing, we need to talk about a lot of things if we're going to walk in health. And it's not just getting a miracle healing. It's walking in the health God has for you to finish your long life, be satisfied, finish your course. You can't have a bunch of other lords in the way. We need to start knocking down some of these things that are restricting our lives and stealing from us. Who is lording over you or who have you given authority to? Have you given? Now, again, let me let me say this. I am not against doctors or the medical profession. In many cases, they've done much good. And many of us would be dead if we didn't have we had not had medical resources. Uh, many times the doctor can keep you alive until you can get a word from God and get healed. Amen. So I'm not against doctors. But here's my point. Is your doctor your Lord or is he a servant? All right. I believe a doctor can serve you, but the moment he becomes your Lord, you're in a bad place. The moment his word is the final word, you're in a bad place. Now, doctors have served me at times, and at times I have allowed them to serve me, and at other times their words set something off in my spirit, and I said, no, that's lordship. You are making ultimatums that I do not submit to. In other cases, serving me has been of great benefit to me. I call it physical maintenance. Like a car needs maintenance, sometimes I need maintenance. I don't have a problem with that. But a doctor needs to be a servant and not a lord. Once he becomes your lord, once his word is the last word and you bow the knee to that word, you're going to harvest whatever it is he's declared. All right? Is your bank account your lord? Or your salary or your lack of income? Is that lording it over you and, and defining the limits of your faith? Anything that restricts the, the limits of your faith is a false Lord. We've got to determine what has authority in our lives. The vision of God, the promises of God, or a bank account, or a doctor's report. Who have we given authority to? People that criticize you. People that don't like you. Have you given them authority in your life? Is that Are they renting space in your head, as we say? Have they become lords in your life just because they don't like you, so you allow that to eat at you and steal your peace and steal your joy? That's a lordship. You've become a slave to someone's opinion. All right? That, these things are all going to have an impact on our health on every level, emotional, mental, physical. We can't have false lords. Your educational level, has that become a limiting factor? Now, my wife doesn't like for me to talk about this, but I'm going to do it, and you won't tell anybody. But I didn't finish college. I had the, the blessed opportunity to go to college. My parents helped me go to college. Uh, but I was not a good student, and in the middle of my senior year, I was invited to seek my fortunes elsewhere. All right? That could have limited the rest of my life. Well, you don't have a college education. But I have gone on to be a missionary, a pastor, a Bible school director, and now here a dean of students and now a dean of instructors, and I don't have a degree. I haven't allowed something to hinder my progress in the Lord because God has doors that he can open for me in spite of that. But I could have allowed the lack of degree to be a Lord in my life, and I could have reduced my expectations and be limited in my life. But I chose not to. Is fear a Lord in your life? Are you constrained by fear? And, and, and there's no, no faith in your heart, or we'll say you're not activating the faith that's in your heart if you're born again. And so you allow fear to determine how far you go, where you live, how you live, what you'll do, when you'll do it. All of these, so many people live in fear. There's a whole subject right there, just the power of fear. That can be a Lord in your life circumstances. We could talk about all kinds of things, but are circumstances your Lord? Or are you Lord over circumstances? Is the past your Lord? Well, brother, if you only knew what I'd done, 
And you, if you only knew my story, you would know why I don't do this or I don't do that. You're allowing your past to be your Lord. Paul had a past. He was responsible for the deaths of Christians. But he said, forgetting what lies behind, I press on. Forgetting what lies behind. You can't let your past, even if you're the Apostle Paul, you can't let your past be your Lord, or you will never accomplish God's purpose for your life. So as we, hopefully, as I'm, as I'm going through these different ideas, you're beginning to, the light's going on, that you're seeing there are certain things, perhaps, that you've allowed to limit your life, to steal your future, and to steal your health. False lords, they can be knocked over, they can be done away with, and the truth will set you free if you get a hold of this, of this revelation. Okay? Anything that influences, limits, hinders, and binds you is a Lord you have allowed. You're going to have to do the evaluation. But I'm giving you some options here of what you might want to consider. We talked in another lesson about uh, Proverbs 23.7, as, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So your heart is going to have enthroned in it different little lords, and sickness might be one of them, or the doctor's report might be one of them, and you have allowed limitations in your life based upon that little lord in your heart. You can knock that down. You can decide that Jesus is your Lord, and Jesus is the Lord of health and healing. Amen. Your Lord is whatever defines and limits your life. All right? Freedom begins with the birth of a new vision. True freedom begins when you get a vision. And the vision might be right now that you're seeing this. You say, ah, I get it. I've allowed lords in my life that aren't Jesus. And so right now, freedom is beginning. Just the recognition of this is going to start setting you free. And you're going to start moving into a new dimension of faith. And you're going to start having a new vision for your life and the potential that is out there and that you can be healed and whole. You can walk in health. That is God's will for your life. And you can kill the snake in your house. You can move on. You don't have to be limited by other lords. All right, 2 Corinthians 4.18. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we do not look at things which are seen, but at, that thing, but at things which are not seen, or he's saying we choose to not look at circumstances, at the past, at people's opinions, at inconveniences, at limitations, at education, at race. We choose not to look at that, but rather at the things that are not seen. Or in this case, in this context, I choose to look at the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I choose to look at his call. I choose to look at his promises. I choose to look at his covenant. I'm choosing that Jesus will be my Lord moving forward. From this moment forward, Jesus is my Lord. And I'm going to recognize very quickly any other force, any other influence that tries to exert lordship in my life and restrict my life. I'm going to recognize that and do away with it. Praise God. We talked about attitude in a different lesson. And this is an attitude issue. This is an expectation issue. What do you see? While we look not at things which are seen, but things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. Man, I don't want a temporary Lord. I want the eternal Jesus Lord in my life, over my life, over my health. And if something comes against me, I have a Lord that has already gone to the cross for me and provided healing for my life. Praise God. Spiritual eyes choose to see the Lordship of Jesus. Spiritual eyes choose to see the Lordship of Jesus not the lordships of limitations. You have a choice to make. And you must choose the lordship of Jesus Christ if you're going to walk in the freedom and the health that that lordship offers. If you don't, then you're going to have other lords stealing from your life. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. The author says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about the heroes of faith of Hebrews chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. 
I'm going to change that now in the context of what we're talking about. Let us lay aside every Lord that we have allowed to influence and constrain and restrict our lives. Let us lay it aside. Let us lay it aside. And let us press on. It says, looking unto Jesus. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the true Lord, the author and finisher of our faith, not of our unbelief and fear and limitations. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Praise God. This is a choice. I'm going to lay aside the other lords that have restricted my life. And I'm going to run with endurance this race, looking at Jesus, my true Lord. And I will be free. And I will be healed. And I will finish my life. And I will finish my purpose. And I will walk out the, the calling of God in my life. And I will do it blessed. I'm not going to hobble through. I will do it blessed in the name of Jesus, because Jesus is my Lord. Amen. Amen. Lay aside the cares of the world. Lay aside fear, people's opinions, your family history, the doctor's report. Lay that all aside and run with endurance your race submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. Romans 10.13. Romans 10.13 says, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And saved includes forgiveness of sins, deliverance, and healing, and health. Whoever calls upon the name. See, some of us aren't getting healed because we're not calling on the name of the Lord. We're allowing other lords to dictate how we live. Superstitions, bad teaching, people's opinions, family history, educational level. Other lords have stolen from the Lord. We need to make a choice now and decide, okay, enough with all these other lords. I'm going to submit to the Lord, the one who died for me, the one who has provided healing for my body and a purpose for my life. Praise God. Romans 13, 14. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for, let me move that aside now and incorporate other lords, other limitations. Anything that is a limitation ultimately is going to be dealing with flesh, yours or someone else's. Other lords are going to be flesh oriented as well. They're going to want to tell you how far you can go and who you can go with and when you can go and what your dreams can be. They are, the flesh is going to limit you and your flesh is going to adopt their flesh opinion. And that becomes a Lord. It says, again, Romans 13, 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ or make a choice that Jesus is your Lord Put that revelation on, let that truth set you free and make no provision for any other Lord. Anything that limits your potential in Christ, no, no, no flesh, no flesh. John 8, 36, John 8, 36, I hope you're getting blessed. John 8, 36 says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, well, who's the Son? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's all about making you free. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If the Son made you well on the cross, you shall be well. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the Lordship of Christ minister to you, spirit, soul, and body. Let your body come under, under the dominion of the Lordship of Christ. Don't let sickness lord it over you. Don't let sickness tell you how you feel. Don't let sickness tell you what you can do. Don't lay for 38 years at the pool waiting for a superstitious angel. Don't, don't be lorded over by that. You tell your body what's up. Jesus is Lord. We're getting up today. Jesus is Lord. I'm going to take care of myself today. Jesus is Lord. Whatever I couldn't do yesterday, I'm going to do it today because Jesus is Lord. Praise God. Now, there might be some resistance, but you have the greater one living within you, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
There may be some process to work out and to walk through, but you don't give up because by faith and patience you inherit the promises. Hebrews 6.12 You don't give up because you know who your Lord is. People that give up don't know who their Lord is. They've let other things become their Lord. The price has been paid for you to stand in His presence without guilt, condemnation, or fear. The price has also been paid for you to be healed. Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. Jesus wants to be the healer of your life. Jesus wants you to cast aside the garment of your old identity. Cast aside the fear of the critics and people's opinions. Cast aside the the structure of religion, the superstitions, the bad teaching. All the things that want to restrict you and keep you sick and keep you down and keep you out. That isn't the Lordship of Christ. The Lordship of Christ will lift you up, will heal you, will set you on your eternal course. That's the Lordship of Jesus. It will set you free. Let's go to 2 Peter 1. I'm going to finish up here. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, As His divine power, who are we talking about? The Lord Jesus Christ. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, not limitations, not restrictions, but potential promises by which, it goes on to say, promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Or in other words, God wants you to enjoy the same quality of life that he enjoys. And he's given us promises, not limitations, promises, not fear, faith that the Lordship of Jesus could set us free to walk out our full purpose in health and enjoy life. Praise God. One more verse, Colossians 1.13. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us. Who's He? The Lord Jesus Christ. Is He your Lord? Not just theologically, but practically. Is He your Lord? He has delivered us from the power of darkness, from the power of other lords. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of his dear son or the son of his love. We have been translated from the dominion of other lords into the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his lordship is all about you being completely whole, completely healthy, completely full of God's purpose, full of God's joy, full of God's peace. That's lordship. And anything less is a false lord. Identify the false lords, knock them down, and choose to step into the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me pray for you. Hallelujah. Father, praise God. We thank you for your lordship. And we declare and choose today to step over from the the lordships of limitations, of fear, of everything that we've discussed. We are choosing to step out of that lordship and into the kingdom of God where the Lord Jesus Christ has promises for us, has potential for us, has freedom for us, has growth for us, has health and healing for us. I declare now and with my brothers and sisters that are watching this that Jesus is truly the Lord of my life, and the Lord of my health. And Father, we praise you. We give you all the glory in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. 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 Good stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, really good. Really good. Any comments? Any thoughts? There's a lot of people in the world today that are letting things be Lord over them. Mm-hmm. Everything from politics to mm-hmm. this culture stuff to mm-hmm. look what's happening with yeah. all these uh, riots and all. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Yeah.
Totally. Uh, I think, you know, you look at, it. you know, a lot of people will say, well, I want, I want to, I believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And you sometimes wonder, well, what do you believe about Jesus, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if, if he's Lord, then that means I'm going to take him at his word. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you'll go find a pet peeve like, you know, some social thing or whatever, yeah. and you start to have a conversation with them, and you go, well, the Bible says, Jesus himself says, that this is the way that we should be. Mm-hmm. And then they have, well, that's not my opinion. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that means that it's, I'm Lord. Mm-hmm. Jesus, yeah. I believe in Jesus. I yeah. believe that he was. Yeah. But I don't believe that he's Lord because if he says something, even if I don't agree with it, I still, I'm still going to do it. Yeah. I'm still going to live it, mm-hmm. right? Because there might be things that you don't agree with, but if you have a Lord mm-hmm. over you, you may go, okay, I'm going to do it anyway mm-hmm. because you're Lord, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it, it is, mm-hmm. there is a lot that we can say about people who believe God, mm-hmm that they are spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, but, but they've never actually made God, God, mm-hmm. not made Jesus Lord. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And it is a difference. There's a huge difference there. Yeah. Huge difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because lordship requires submission. Yes. It requires that we submit ourselves to him and put our trust in him. And, um, mm-hmm. Anything else? That's good. We got another another fifty minutes of Barry. <laughs> good. Is this Barry? Yeah. No, Barry Bennett. Barry Bennett. Hey, Barry. This Barry. This Barry could do it. He can talk. Yeah, he can talk it. He can teach it. So, all right. Well, I guess we're on break then. Y'all don't have anything else. Thank you in this lesson and